0: Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Making Action Happen. I am Sarah Blackhurst. And
0: I'm Brian McCain.
1: Hi, Brian McCain. Hello. So it's been a little bit since we've been in the studio, just the two a of while. us. I know. Um, I first I got to s- uh, start with giving a shout out to Alex and Ryan Romero of um, Capital. Oh, they're lobbyists out of out of uh, Denver, but actually, they are um, local boys. Um, just absolutely gorgeous young men. And they do a ton of really great work up at the Capitol, but I, I saw them yesterday and they are huge fans of the show. They are just uh, relatively new listeners and they've been listening to every episode they can get their hands on during their drive time between uh, Pueblo and Denver um, and they're just the greatest guys. So it's Capital Group,
0: the, the Capital Success Group. Oh, thank you, um, Capital Success. Uh, Group. That's Gil Romero. He uh, they've actually sponsored some of our events, and we work with Gil on a lot of stuff, and we send do. ideas back and forth. And good guy.
1: We talk a lot. Um, he's he's got uh, some of some of his clients are our members, and yep. and uh, I, I'm a big fan of Gil's. Um, but uh, both Alex and Ryan used to play when they were in middle school. They played basketball for my husband when they were in Beulah. So that's how we knew them from before, but just, um, articulate, beautiful, beautiful young men. And so I wanted to give a shout out to them. Thanks for listening to our show. So we wanted to catch up with you, but I've, I've got to start with a story. Um, you guys, if you're in Colorado, you've had the angst of the bags of the Bags at grocery stores,
0: yes. Oh, uh, <laughs> somebody! I, I've been to the grocery store like every day this week. Sometimes twice a day because we're so busy, we haven't made a grocery store trip. You know, I feel you. And and our the store is like right by our house, so it's not a big deal. Um, every time I go through the self checkout, it asks how many store bags did you use, and everybody just hits zero. Like I'm, <laughs> I think I'm the only person that like punches the one or two or three and pay the 30 cents.
1: So for those of you of our listeners who aren't in Colorado, they passed this rule last year that, um, started this year in Colorado and what it is, is, um, and we actually were able to help mitigate it down from what originally was introduced on this bill, but it's basically for, um, Uh, 2023 is a transitional year where you have to pay for the groceries you put, um, or the bag you put your groceries in. And then at the end of this year, you won't be able to have bags or buy a plastic bag anymore. Yeah. So instead what you see is a bunch of people carrying out their groceries that are all wrapped in plastic in their arms. Yeah. Because it's done a whole lot for the environment. But the other thing is of course we live in Pueblo and uh in Colorado, if you um you can steal whatever up to two thousand dollars <laughs> and then they won't um <laughs> before they're gonna they're gonna arrest you, I guess. Um and so like um so what you see is not just um people carrying out um their groceries whatever but you see a whole huge uptick in uh shoplifting which
0: <laughs> well, cuz you can't tell. You can't tell. No, I, no uh Jacob, um if you remember Nicholas De Salvo. Oh, yes. Who was on our show, um his brother is a manager at a grocery store and uh I'm like, dude, how do you tell if somebody's stealing something? And it's like, you really can't because before it's like there, it's in a bag, and, it's in a bag. and people are just walking out. But interestingly enough, they do have security guards there at the grocery store now. So they have two at the front. Cause I think, yeah, I mean, just talking to some of the other people that work at grocery stores, it's like terrible right now. It's just people walk out. It reminds me of the bill Burr skit or joke where he was like, you know, complaining about self checkout aisles at a grocery store. And he's like, well, I stood here for 30 seconds, did my job, and just walks out with the groceries.
1: (laughs) No, that's how it is in Colorado right now. So I had the opportunity. um, I was actually in Casper, Wyoming this last weekend, and um, we went to Walmart, and the guy starts just bagging our groceries, and I was so taken back by it. I was like, it took me a second. And then we had bought a bunch of Gatorades and plastic bottles, and so um, then he double bags that and I got I, I got a little emotional about it and he's looking at me because I was laughing about this and kind of uh, and so he goes um he goes it uh, kind of looks at me I go oh we're from Colorado he goes oh my gosh I've been wanting to know how this works in Colorado and how this happened and I've been hearing about this and blah 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 because in Wyoming we came to find out um, they're actually trying to be a little bit proactive, but they're doing it on their own. And I'll tell you how that happened. So we went back. So we ended up, we were moving our uh, my brother back um, from Wyoming. And so we came back, uh, we went in again to Walmart. And he was like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. Um, I really wanted to talk to you some more about this. And I go, yeah, we just came back because we wanted plastic bags. And so he's like, just wait here one second. And then he comes back a couple minutes later, we checked out with our stuff in bags and he comes back and he's like, you need to take these to Colorado because Walmart's producing the head, I guess had started producing these, um, they're biodegradable plastic, they're washable, they're reusable plastic bags. And they said they're sending them to all these other places, because at the end of the year, you can't have them in Colorado anyway. But they're this really great, innovative thing that would have saved a lot, and you can reuse them. And they're this great bag. And he sent me back with a bunch of them, and I thought it was so adorable. But um, this is sort of the weird place that we're at in Colorado right now.
0: Yeah, I, I'm kind of used to it because in other states it's like that. I think in D.C. it was it was more than $0.10. Cents. Like in most grocery stores don't even have bags. You had to bring your own in. So, I, I mean, there's other states that do it. I think it'll be fine. Um,
1: it'll be fine. It's just a little ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I would have invested in the reusable bags that you buy for $4 because they're selling those like crazy right now.
1: Well, and then all the swag, like when you go um, to something and it used to be, you'd get pins and markers and tumblers. Now it's bags.
0: Yeah. So you could use those. So Uh, we,
1: we do use those. Um, So we've been working on a a whole bunch of stuff. The last time we uh, got to visit with all of you was when uh, Mike Beasley, our lobbyist pro bono gave a legislative review of the session. But we've been heavy in it. So let's start with um, what we're primarily working on is right now at action 22 is energy, uh, broadband and water water. But also, um, you do a ton on veteran stuff. Yes. And so let's start with that. Let's give an update to everybody on the on the veteran stuff that you're working on, and then we can talk about broadband water, energy?
0: Um, the veteran stuff never changes. It's all the same, unfortunately. It's getting better, but there's, um, you know, just here in the region, there's a, a lot of groups that I'm semi-involved with. Um, the big thing right now is suicide prevention uh-huh. and that's across the board. That's not just with veterans, but you're seeing a lot of these, um, mental health groups that specifically focus on suicide prevention. Um, we just had a meeting at the last military affairs, Pueblo meeting with some of the Anschutz campus people came down cause they're setting up some of their suicide prevention um, programs down here. Um, but specifically in the Junta lamar region, you see some stuff happening. You have stuff in the San Luis Valley. Um, there's a lot of funding out there, and it's recognized that mental health is a big issue right now, specifically with the suicide prevention. So these organizations that traditionally just catered to one side, like uh, NAMI was one of them, you know, they're, they're across the board. But they've been showing up and coordinating with a lot of these veteran groups that, that have been in this fight for a while. So that's good. Um, so it's not just veteran specific, it's everybody specific. So we're seeing a lot of that right now. Um,
1: you talked a little bit about that at Memorial day. Yeah. Cause you gave remarks on the, at the Memorial day yeah. event, um, here in Pueblo. Which, and we had, you know, our, our really good friend, Paul Hendrickson was there. Zach yeah, yeah, that, was there.
0: And and that's exciting for Pueblo because the Memorial Day kind of dropped off over, since COVID. And this one was huge. Um, you have new leadership in the Pueblo Veterans Council. Um, Paul, who's been on our show in the past, um, he kind of came in and took that over and he wants to, you know, be excited about this get people in these groups together again um celebrate basically you know have a positive positive events when it comes to veterans issues um also down in the san luis valley they have a big fundraiser for their um alamosa veterans memorial park coming up i think it's in july and i'm going to get this date wrong i'll look it up while i'm talking and try to keep talking while i'm looking it up um I actually designed the flyer for them.
1: I know Um, you did such a great job and that this was difficult uh, because you were designing it off of a a bust that had already been done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was,
1: it was, it was kind of a, um, a heart that was a a very, a passion project, but yeah, you did a great job on it. I loved it.
0: So that um, just a shout out to, to what they're doing down there. It's the Alamosa Veterans Memorial Park first annual car and motorcycle show. It's Saturday, July 8th at 8,900 Independence Way in Alamosa starts at 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Um, if you want to enter a car or motorcycle, I think the registration is from 8 to 9. They have a lot of vendors. Um, there's going to be a lot of beer being drank there. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have music, you know, all, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, the swap meet, valve cover racing, which I have no idea what that is, but oh, it I sounds do. really cool. Um, and then, you know, they're going to give trophies out and have a vet appreciation ceremony. And,
1: and they're doing it at, there at that park in Alamosa? Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is um, if, if you want more information on it or want to be a part of it, just email Alamosa Memorial at gmail.com. Or you can call Jamie at 719-937-3039. But this is a a great fundraiser for their Memorial Park. I know they've been working on this for years. We have something similar in Pueblo that we're working on. Um, So, yeah, if you're in the area, definitely go and check that out.
1: I assume they're going to have barbecue trucks and all that there.
0: Yeah, um, I'm reading through the list. Uh, There's a lot. Food trucks. Uh, Gosar Sausage will be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And F's. E-F. I don't know what yeah, that is. that's
1: right. That's F's. F's. Okay. Uh-huh. Or
0: I know what it is. I just don't know how to say it. So yeah. F's. I always call it E But uh, and then Spare Keg is going to have a beer garden there, and yeah, it'll be fun.
1: That's going to be a great event. They've done stuff like that um in the past. I love that. Um, they usually do something around Labor Day yeah, down there yeah. too. So, yeah.
0: but no, it's just connecting a lot of these veterans groups. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the people that ran these or have, you know, been running these for years, they're getting up in age. Um, you know, even with like the UVC and stuff, it's, we're trying to get the young people more involved because a lot of these guys and girls are in their eighties right now. And there seems to be this generational gap. So it's good to see Paul coming and take it over. We need that new young blood to kind of pick up the reins and move these groups like the American Legion, the VFW, whatever forward. Um, because we're losing a lot of these old vets unfortunately.
1: We are and uh no Paul did an exceptionally good job with um with all of that. Um but you had a really powerful message there though, especially to to veterans. Um uh when you spoke, I appreciated it so much.
0: Yeah, it's basically share your story. Don't be afraid to talk about stuff because You know, we are our stories and that is our history. And a lot of these people are closed off and they don't want to share it, but I think they should. It's part of the healing process.
1: It's an important part of the healing process. And it's, it's not something that's, uh, really been encouraged in previous generations with veterans, but uh, we see what some of the effects of not sharing the stories have been on mental health um, for these guys. So um, give, uh, give the veterans space and grace to share their story without a lot of questions or prodding or anything like that. But um, yeah, for sure. Share those stories. They make a difference. Um, What else do we want to talk about?
0: Well, um, two mayor races, um, you know, that were kind of crazy, uh, you know, first we have Denver, mm-hmm. um, that was a very, it's kind of similar to Pueblo's mayor race came out. There was a lot of candidates in it, mm-hmm. a lot of, um, very progressive or very right winging candidates in it. And it, it came down to two and, um, it was, uh, obviously Johnston won. if you did not know that. Right. Um, and he took it in and he gets sworn in July 17th. Um, Mike Johnston, it was, I don't, th- I think it was a bigger gap than we would have, than people thought it would be. Cause you had Kelly brow, is that how you say uh,
1: breath, uh,
0: Kelly breath, Kelly breath, um, I'm good at reading names, but not pronouncing. It. Well,
1: it's a weird, it's a yeah. weird spelling, um, and I had to be coached on it. Yeah, um, yeah, when I first met her. So,
0: and she, you know, she was the more progressive. She brought a lot of these ideals, um, and and surprisingly, uh, Mike Johnston, who for Denver was more moderate. Um, he pulled it off. I think it was 54 to 46 or 54.1 I was to I was surprised there was
1: that gap yeah. on there too. Um, I'd only met him one one time. Um, I think I sat on a panel with him or there was something yeah. that I, when he'd run for something before, but um, I'd actually gotten to know Kelly Broth mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and I'm a big fan of hers. Of course we yeah, don't get to yeah. vote on that, but it's one of those interesting positions that the Denver mayor has a tendency to, um, have influence on other things around the state. And I really felt like of the two candidates, um, of course I'd gotten to know her a little bit, but, uh, that she understood that she had a good feel for, um, how we're all one state. And even if it's, um, Denver centric, the state tends to be Denver centric. I don't think she would have, um, I think she would have remembered the rest of us. So, um, and...
0: Oh, and I think I mixed that up. Mike Johnson was the more progressive of, the two, the, more right? progressive yeah, of yeah, the two, right? He is the more progressive Yeah, sorry. I, well, I Kelly used that. to
1: be the... Uh, she was
0: with the Denver Metro Yeah, Chamber. she was yeah, the director of the Denver Metro. That's how I know So her. she
1: really wanted um, Colorado to be open for business. She wanted it to yeah. be, you know, productive and, and clean and, and all of that. He had a lot of outside money. He got yeah, a lot of, like, I think... Um,
0: and to be fair, I wasn't paying attention to this race at all. Um, I was paying more attention to the Colorado Springs race.
1: Now that's an interesting, yeah, that was an that's, interesting that's one too. One.
0: Um, and so I'm kind of reading through this. Yeah, he, he had a, it said a coalition of progressives and 5 million in outside spending.
1: And, and that's some of a that, life. a good chunk of that came from Bloomberg. Yeah. So this was um, a lot of, a lot of out of state progressive money. And um, I thought, I think it's a very telling that everybody knew that, and it and it didn't hurt him at all. Um, yeah. So that was um, that was really interesting, and and they they did a they did a good job on their campaigns. I and I was just watching it because I'm a Kelly Breath fan. Yeah. But. Um, And I, and I know what that, some of that influence means, but also their city council was, um, interesting race up there too. There was some super, super progressives, but I didn't look honestly to see how that came out. We've, we've been focusing on some, a few other things, but
0: yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, I didn't really pay attention to that much. Um,
1: what about the, what do you think about the Colorado Springs mayor?
0: So, uh, Colorado Springs was, um, interesting because you had, and I'm, I'm totally going to butcher his name. Um, mm-hmm. Again, uh, you had Wayne Williams.
1: Who we know. Which
0: I will not butcher his name yeah. because I, I know that enough. And then you had Yemi, um, I think you say it, Mobilade. Um He was kind of a newcomer. He's a business owner. Um, he was actually one of my friends. Um, he They were neighbors for a while. Uh-huh. And I, I know he helped him out on his campaign. But, you know, this was kind of like the race where, you know, especially in El Paso County and Colorado Springs, it's like the institution usually wins. Right. Right. Um, there's always going to be primaries like, um, Congressman Lamborn's a perfect example. He'll get primaried every time, but once you're kind of in these elected spots and in, in Springs, you, you, it, it, you're safe basically. Right. Um, Oh, and there's a the camera. I was like, where is the camera it's sitting right in front of me? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's been a long week, but Yami came in and, um, he he killed it. Um he he won. Um I Didn't, think it was Did he
1: run as an independent?
0: I th- I think it's a nonpartisan race. So kinda like
1: here. Oh um, okay.
0: You know, he I think he took it I'm looking up at the numbers now, it's like fifty seven point five to forty two point five.
1: Right.
0: Which is an outsider looking in. Um it's kind of like I would not see that happening.
1: I I did not either. I didn't know if Wayne um, would win it, but um, I didn't think it would get. It was going to be that big of a gap.
0: Yeah, and, and Yemi, I think he's always been independent. Um, I know he he's said in many speeches and. Um, when you see him on the news, like he's always identified as a political independent
1: and he's registered as an independent I, I believe, thought, I, I think I, so. cause I, I remember reading something about that, which I think is really, um, that was, that was why the race was interesting to me because I think that's the first time in a long time that somebody, um, has won as a registered independent for that level of, um, a seat, and especially. Springs, yeah. yeah and, and in Springs. And
0: part of that too, I think is, um, the Republicans, a lot of the, the candidates, um, in the pool, um, there were a lot of Republicans and it kind of divided the Republican party, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me. And, um, I'm wondering if some of that bitterness that, um, you know, my person didn't get it, so I'm not going to support, you know, Wayne oh, Williams I
1: bet like, that was that.
0: It could have been that. Like supposedly they they kind of rallied around him towards the end, but it, it didn't matter. I think it was like eleven thousand votes is what the the split and was, and that's
1: a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's but a lot. But it, it's it, again, it just kind of shows the shifting political side of uh, a, a lot of towns. It's um, you know, Colorado Springs has always been a very conservative Republican right area. Um, yeah, you know, some of the the districts for city council are they're not as Republican or not as re- conservative, but you see the shift to the middle, and it's kind of similar to what's happened in Pueblo, where Pueblo has always been kind of a a Democrat safe haven, um, more progressive, more union, um, but in the past few years we saw it switch more to the center, uh, right? In, in voting and candidates, like you know we have. Zach Swearingen, he's a county commissioner here in Pueblo, like the first Republican since 1972 or some, I forget what it is. Um, You know, even, even with uh, Scott Tipton and Donald Trump, you know, you had national level Republicans win Pueblo for the first time since 72. I think Nixon was the last uh, federal candidate to win Pueblo up until Scott Tipton. And then I think Cory Gardner won Pueblo one election and then, um, lost it the next. Yeah. And, uh, and then Zach Swaringen, I think he was the first Republican County commissioner since the eighties. Cause it yeah, was, it was, the, I
1: think it was 80, I'm going to say it was 82. Um, and part of the reason, cause wasn't his name like Brewster or something?
0: Yeah, it was, um, was it Brewster or Brewer? I, that's, it was, was one of those, but it, it was a funny story. Cause he was, uh, I believe he was a, a custodian at the County and, and, uh, the guy he was running against got in some trouble. So he, he was, was
1: indicted like the night before yeah, the election or something. And, he,
0: and, and what he would do, um, he would just like drive around at night after he'd get off work and put up signs everywhere. And he ended up winning. But that that was like the one. Um, obviously, even in the Action 22 area, you saw a lot of these counties come more centralized, like politically in the middle than leaning further left or further Right. Then um, you saw some go further right too, like uh, you know, down in the Trinidad area, you saw a big shift on that. And, yeah, and I I think that's a part of the the people in rural areas kind of feeling left behind. I mean, it, it's basically the Trump effect, right? Right. Like Donald Trump took all of the Midwest because they're like nobody pays attention to us, and this guy's talking to us. And I, I think you have some of that. But at the same time, you have towns and cities where it's like, you know what, we've been with this political party for years and and maybe it's time to shift more to the other side a little bit.
1: Well, uh, you know, now in Colorado, there's more, um, uh, independent or unaffiliated voters than there are, um, either Democrats or Republicans. And it's by a
0: lot. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't say that that's because of political beliefs, I think that's because we have an open primary. So everybody registers as an independent so they can pick who they vote for in the primary. So yeah. they're not tied to the party. So I, when they say that, and I know, um, you know, Beasley said it here. Um, and a few other people like Adam Frisch, when he comes on, he's like, no, there's more independence. But in, in reality, I don't think they abandon their political beliefs. I just think that they're concentrating on races where they have more vested in the primary of a certain race. So they're like, you know, while I'm a registered Democrat, I can't vote in the Republican primary, right I want to, so I'll register as independent, but technically I'm still a Democrat.
1: It's all getting more and more interesting. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun to watch. I say it's fun because, you know, we're going to have to go through um, a mayoral election here um, oh, in yeah. Pueblo and then in Trinidad they, they um, actually, this next year.
0: I so f- no, the mayor election in Pueblo is this year.
1: Was oh, it this year? I is it the, this is year. the mayoral election in Trinidad this year as well?
0: I don't know about that one. I'll, I'll look. But the, um, let me look at the news because the Pueblo thing is interesting because you had signatures, petition oh, gatherers. Oh, yeah. Um, have we
1: talked about this on the show yet? I, I don't think we have, or I, if we did, we I, just touched on it, but talk about this cause this was an interesting thing that happened and I think we sort of um, glazed over it, but cause we wanted to see how, what the fallout was going to be. So
0: all right, talk I, about, tell the story. So, um, you know, there's some people here in Pueblo that are unhappy with the, the mayor position. So we have a strong mayor, which is the first time in years and decades. Um, and it went to the voters. So they tried this once in I want to say it was like probably like 2008, 2010, sometime around there. So they wanted to get it on the ballot that Pueblo needs a mayor and, um, it didn't get on the ballot. They just, you know, or it did and it didn't pass. But anyway, the people rejected it. So then a few years ago, four years ago, you have it pop up again and, um, there were people saying we need a strong mayor. We're unhappy with the city manager situation, and also remember at the time we had a lot of controversy around the city manager. So, right. you had you know one get fired, another one kind of get in trouble and get fired, and then you had another one that nobody liked, and well, allegedly nobody liked.
1: It was, uh, it, it, was it was just dr- con- it was drama,
0: contentious, and the solution to that that was proposed was like, we need a strong mayor that that's separate from city council and, you know, basically set up like Congress or the state where that's how the office works. And um, it passed. So the, the voters, they got the petitions out and the voters um, they agreed with it. And we have a strong mayor. I don't think it passed by that much. It was very close, but regardless. So the first mayoral term, is five years and the second is four and they're limited to two terms and they just did the five years initially it's to they figured it'd be a year to get everything you know get your foot down figure out how this is going to work and then your term actually starts after the first year um well there's this huge push and movement in pueblo that they're upset with the way the mayors ran the city um and that they feel that nothing's being done, that you know there's homelessness, there's crime, there's all these problems. and like what's the point? We elected this mayor to fix our city, and I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with any of this. I'm just no, this saying is just what this, it is. This is the narratives.
1: <clears throat> and, um, and Pueblo loves to do a recall. Pueblo yes. loves a recall. Yes,
0: we're, we're a recall town. So they passed around, ballot our petitions to get it on the ballot to basically rescind the mayor. Mm-hmm. And most people that are in the know and pay attention to this stuff in Pueblo say that if this goes to the ballot, we will no longer have a mayor. That's it. So first go around, they didn't have the signatures. Second go around, they give the signatures and it's approved. So stamped ink dried. like, all right, this will be on the ballot. Um, city council has to figure out when to put it on the ballot because you can't have an election, you know, to get rid of the mayor on the the mayor on the same election for the mayor
1: and then wait, wait, and then, wait. And then uh, it was like,
0: oh, well, you didn't follow the right ordinance and you should have done your homework because you needed more signatures. And, like
1: twice as many yeah, signatures as they turned we, in.
0: You know, we we approved this thinking it was one way, but looking into the fine print, it's another way. So no, it's not going on the ballot. So it goes in front of city council. So city council has the right to decide at this point. They're like, um, are we going to have an election to get rid of the mayor? position or
1: wait, wait, wait. So, and I know the first part of this, but I don't, I don't know if I understood what you just said. So they, they went back and they got the extra signatures. Well, no, so no, no, They no. didn't have enough signatures. So the, it's, two they different, it
0: it's two different signature gathering periods. So the first time they didn't have enough, they just weren't organized. So then they're like, okay, we still have a few months to do this. So we'll get it. So they th- turn it in, the um, city clerk's office is like, nope, and, you're and good they to said, go.
1: And and the city and the city said you have to have this many signatures and then when they went to cure the signatures.
0: Well, no, they they said it was good.
1: They said it was good. And
0: then they went back and they're like, actually it's not good because you need more signatures because and we they were looking didn't tell at the wrongs, them that. That we, we were looking the city I think it was a city attorney or city clerk. Um no, it was the city attorney because the city attorney resigned right after this. Resigned
1: right said, after no, that. No, actually
0: the statute says like you gave us X number of signatures and we said it was okay. But in reality, it's supposed to be this many. Yeah. Y number of signatures. And it was past the
1: time that they could get the signatures. So now the city council gets to decide.
0: So the, in all fairness, which statute they'll go by. No. So I, I think that it was a, a way to make it right maybe a little bit so city council goes all right you know what we're going to um put this up to vote for city council if this is going to be on the ballot now (laughs) mind you there's multiple people on city council 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 that are running for mayor
1: a little bit of a conflict
0: and you have one city council person that is pushing the anti-mayor stuff so you have some city council that are like, we don't need a mayor and some that are pushing it.
1: There's three, aren't there, that are running for mayor? Or there's I only two? There's, there's at
0: least two. There's but
1: a, no, it, I think there's three.
0: But it, yeah. it, regardless, so city council votes and they're like, nope, this isn't going to the ballot. We still, still have a mayor. Bye. Done. Done. Well, then it gets brought up again last week. So on Monday, they brought it up for vote again. And according to the news, Pueblo City Council has again rejected an effort to ask voters to abolish Pueblo's mayoral (laughs) form of government. The campaign to revert Pueblo's municipal government to a city manager led system has dealt with several setbacks. That's putting it lightly over the past year. But another attempt was made Monday to get the question in front of voters. So basically, if City Council would have approved this, it would have been a ballot, and then they, you know, they'd send out ballots and say, "Do you want a mayor? Yes or no?" Done. Um, they voted five to two against the ordinance's first reading, pulled from the consent agenda by Councilor Sarah Martinez, um, and and they did it again. They're like, "No, like this isn't going to the ballot. We're keeping it as it is." So, so we are going to have a mayor race. Um, and that's a whole other story because you have multiple people running for mayor right now. Yeah. Um,
1: and when you say multiple,
0: I think officially it's like seven, maybe I'm trying to count in my head. It's like around seven, Yeah, but, but then there's like five more people saying they're going to they're, do it. Yeah,
1: right. And, and then p- when do they have how long do they have to announce?
0: Um, I think they could announce whenever. I think it's um, like, I, there might be like, you know, 30 days before the election because they have to give them time to put the names on the ballot. So okay. there, there is a deadline. But I mean, you could announce right now and you're running for mayor in Pueblo.
1: So one of the things that was really wildly interesting to me, um, not only. And and by the
0: way, I probably got half that information wrong. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) look it up in the Pueblo Chieftain. Look look it up up. in the Pueblo Chieftain. It's
0: it's all out there, but it's a lot. There's There's multiple articles on this stuff. So
1: we were surprised how much was spent on midterm elections. We were shocked about how much was spent on these mayoral elections. And so what's it going to cost in Pueblo?
0: So right now, um, and talking to people that might be running or people that are running, Mm -hmm. The consensus is that this mayor's race for, take it, like put it in tiers. Like, you know, you have like at least two, maybe three that are viable candidates. You have the sitting mayor, Mayor Gratishar, mm-hmm. and then you have a couple others. Like I, I give it one or So three or city two. councilmen. Yeah. But there's different tiers. So then you have, so you have like, say the top two or top three. Those are the races I'm concerned about because it's definitely going to go to a runoff. So basically you have to get over 50% to win. And if it doesn't, if you don't, then it takes the top two candidates. And there's another election after that. Um, They're looking at at least $300,000 per candidate in this race for the top tier candidates. So that this race, ideally, if you take all the candidates in consideration, all the money that will be spent, it is going to be over a million dollars for this race to be the mayor of Pueblo.
1: What's it, what was it the last time? Do you know, do you remember?
0: I don't think it was that much. I don't think it was that much either. It it was a lot for the time. So I, 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 I'd have to go back and look, but I'm, I, I know it was over a like, hundred grand. Yeah.
1: I was thinking it was, I thought we talked about, it was like around 150. Yeah.
0: I think, um, one candidate raised like 70,000 and yeah. the other one raised over the hundred.
1: Right, right, right. But,
0: the, but we're talking like these candidates are going to be fundraising for 300,000 a piece.
1: So here's the other part of that. That's really interesting. If you have that many candidates trying to raise that much money in the city of Pueblo how much outside money do you think is gonna go into
0: There's Is going it gonna be like that with yes, the way it was with Yes. Yes. The Denver Um I, I think and again the, the Pueblo mayor race is a nonpartisan race. Right. So they can't have direct support from the party. So um you I was gonna
1: ask you to to say what that means.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think like
1: like the like the Pueblo Democratic Party well, cannot
0: you but you've yeah, like they can. It's just not like like if you're a Republican running and you're a Democrat, because it boils down to two. So if it's a Democrat versus Republican, you're going to have the local party and the state party, you know, throw some money in the race. I don't think it works that way in a nonpartisan race, and I could be completely wrong on this, because I do know that parties will endorse candidates. Um, well, and that was PACs. How, yeah, well, that that's, that's a whole other thing. So what you have now is um, – you have the, the Democrats basically sweeping all these races across the state and they were a fundraising machine this last election. So they're sitting on a lot of money and it's an off year. So I, I predict that you're going to have some of this outside money or dark money or pack money, whatever you want to say, go into some of these, these races specifically, if it's, we know it's going to be mayor Gratishar, like hands down. Um, he has a lot of support. He's an incumbent. Like he's going to do great during this race. Right. Um, and then you're going to have somebody else. And I, I don't want to predict it now, but, um, this person is basically a Republican. So you have a demo, a strong Democrat, um, Mayor Gratishar, and then you're going to have a strong Republican running against him. And nobody this.
1: would even be brave enough to even think that that was possible. Had it not been yeah, for yeah. Zach Swearingen yeah. getting,
0: well, Yeah, but again, it's a nonpartisan race. So you're not going to look at the ballot and see Republican or Democrat. You're just going to see their name, just their name, but you you have, okay. So going back, you have all this money floating around from the, the fun, political fundraising machines and it's both sides of the aisle. Right. Um, and I think you're going to see this outside money be spent on it. That would usually go to like, um, in a, a state race or, you know, whatever. Right. So, so they have an excess of money out there. And yeah, yeah, we're going to see outside money in this race, because if you look at politically where everything's at and where the state's going, some of the um, allies that have been made with the, with Denver, basically like they, the, the state and the parties have a vested interest in these mayoral races right now. Uh,
1: so I'm going to make a prediction right now that the outside money is going to mainly come from energy.
0: Yeah, the that's, yeah, I didn't want to get into that either. Um I'll but, say it. but yeah, that's um, you're gonna see some of that and you know it, it's the especially in Pueblo, the energy fight or argument or condition <laughs> or situation, whatever you want to call it is huge right now Mm -hmm. and um, you have a lot of interest in where Pueblo is going to go in the very near future when it comes to energy development. And these decisions are made by our county commissioners um, to appoint our city council, but the mayor has a lot of pull in this. So yes, you are going to see money from energy, from everything.
1: Energy and environment is where the outside money is going to be. Yep.
0: Yep, I think which I is, think so.
1: Which is yeah. interesting um to me. So let's should we talk about energy now or should we talk about broadband?
0: Um I don't want to talk about either of those things right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brian's tired so, this week. It's been a long yeah, week. So, and, but there's not I'll just tell you. I'm talking Our conversations, um, my conversations, it used to be like once, it used, so a year ago, about a year ago this time, I would have multiple conversations a week about energy. I'd have almost no conversations about broadband, like just one conversation about broadband.
0: That's all we do.
1: And then, um, but now it's multiple times a day on both of those fronts.
0: Yeah, it's, there's a lot happening and it's something that the average voter is, doesn't have to be fair. They don't have the time to pay attention to at no. all, nor the want. I mean, who wants to pay attention to this? Cause it's very boring and I have more important things to do. Not me personally, but if I was the average voter. Yeah, you're, you're
1: the average, voter, but there's,
0: yeah. there's a lot of moving parts going on. Um, at the elected level, both from the feds all the way down to, like I said, city council on energy development and where we're going as a state. And I think, both with the energy and the broadband, that we need to have the experts come on and kind of talk about this stuff. We
1: will. We're going to have the experts come on. Um, and just to be fair, I am on the um, committee, um, Piesco's committee, um, to decide because what's what's happening and the reason. I'll, we'll just tell you the reasons why this is such an important um, uh, on both fronts, and then we'll have enter, we'll have these experts come on. Um, but one is that, um, they're getting ready, uh, to shut down Comanche three, which is a coal plant here in Pueblo.
0: We've talked about it many times, but put it this way, like it was going to be open till for another 50 years and then they keep moving it back. So it's going to be shut down like within 10 years.
1: So this is the newest coal plant in the country the cleanest one of the cleanest coal plants because it was new and then when they made that investment in that coal plant they were expecting it to be it was a 70 or 75 year and now it's going yeah. to be a 21 year
0: yeah cuz i think it was supposed to originally go to 2075 or 2080 or 20, mm-hmm. 80 or 20 so it, it was out there cuz i i went there at the groundbreaking when they built the Comanche three, is that what it is? Like the third tower out there. And they're like, this is going to provide clean coal energy for, you know, the next like almost century. And now it's closing down
1: and now it's closing down. So we have to figure out what to do next because of the jobs and the tax base. So that's a big chunk of the discussion. And that's only one chunk of the discussion um, for the region, but all but we're having lots of discussions around um, all that energy technology and energy development. Um, not only for it to support have enough for the grid, especially as we electrify, how that's going to work, but also um, from the perspective of um, we what what's being called. And a term that's been weaponized, and that's just transition. So we will have some of these experts on, um, and I'll tell you the other thing that we're doing um, toward the end of the show, um, or that we'd like to do, and that's toward the show, and we're, where we're going to need all of your help on that. Um, and then the other one is broadband that we're talking about all the time. So here's how that is: There's a whole bunch of money for broadband coming down from the federal government. Um, the state is also a part of that um, pardon my pardon, the reference conduit of funds for broadband. And really it's, um, there's two questions on the table, um, how to spend that money and then who owns the infrastructure. So of course, because of the large sums of money that we're talking about, and then who would own that infrastructure in the future, Um, It's getting uh, very complicated and very interesting. So we are convening those conversations. Action 22 is convening those conversations with with our partners and really analyzing um, some of that. And we've been in um, some talks. So we ha- I had a great, uh, wonderful meeting with um, with two former speakers uh, on Monday at the state capitol. Um, one of them is, of course, Lola Spradley, who is really an expert in everything Colorado. She was the first woman uh, speaker of the House for Col- in Colorado. And then we met with the governor's uh, chief of staff, who's Alec Garnett, who is a former um is a former, uh, speaker. Uh, he was just the speaker and then now he's the governor's uh, chief of staff. So, uh, there's a really cute picture of the two of them and it was really fun to watch them, but they were, um, Alec was really great in having the conversation and, and really listened to what some of our concerns were with regard to how this money will be distributed and making sure that the end user is the pr- of primary concern. Um, and keeping, of course we know, um, how important it is to keep broadband, um, affordable. And so that's, that was part of that discussion. Um, so what else do we need to catch everybody else up on?
0: Um, I I think, listen, um, we've been sporadic, but there's going to be a lot of important shows in the next few weeks, specifically around broadband and some water and energy stuff. Um, this is something that needs to be talked about because it's happening so fast that we don't want to be left behind in this. I I hate to say transition, but with everything, this opportunity, um, to, to like get funded, to have broadband for everybody, or, you know, this basically forced transition into renewable energy, like how to be a part of this conversation and be in the game. Um, so others don't have that for you. So we're going to be bringing a lot of this up over the next month or two.
1: So this is going to be this is going to dominate our continue to dominate our conversations over um, over the summer. Will you give everybody an update on the academy?
0: Yeah, it's going great. We got um, the sixth block is next week. We're going to concentrate on federal stuff. So uh, Congressman Tipton's um, he's going to be there.
1: Yes, I'm very excited. Kind of give
0: a behind the scenes look at how it actually works in DC. Um, no, it's been going great. We have um, a great group of people. Uh, the, the last one, we're really trying to get some legislative ideas and some legislation written from the, the fellows or students or whatever you want to call them going through. And they're, they're coming up with some great ideas. And I I think some of them might be winners. I think by the time the July final block rolls around, we're going to have like a list of bills that they wrote and hopefully get introduced by a legislator somewhere in Colorado, um, No, it's just great. And I think that we should have some of them on the show, like, um, you know, do some mini interviews, mini episodes. Yeah. And, you know, once this class is finished, uh, we'll have a lot of information from it. And, you know, I did the videos of them all talking about themselves and then we're going to do a compare and contrast from the beginning to the end, um, what the, what the journey was like, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And then that'll help mold our next set of classes that will hopefully take statewide next year. Um, yes, and yeah, so stay tuned for that because like I said, it's it's a lot and a lot of good people going through this with us.
1: It was a little bit of experiment uh, to, for us to expand on our mission in the, of, of creating a stronger voice. And I'll tell you, we have been super blessed, um, not only by the support, um, in particular Scott Tipton, but um, just the participation and a lot of these organizations and local governments getting behind their people to um, help them to help them uh, take these classes and be more effective in their leadership. So we're actually, I'm super proud of this.
0: Oh, this is an interesting one. This is a political geek thing. Um, so, uh, I I don't know the whole details of it, but supposedly, uh, next, next major election time. So in Colorado election. Yeah. Yeah. So Colorado has this like really weird way that there's always going to be these third party candidates that run every time. Sure. Like it's either a green party, but the
1: libertarian, yeah, the big whatever. one
0: I'm talking about is the libertarian party Yay. and the libertarian party usually takes away votes from the Republican. Sure. That that's, and you're talking like it used to be like 1% of the vote. And um, now it's a chunk. Yeah. Now it's a chunk. Like there were times when I saw it was like three to four. I, I'm looking at right now like 10% of the vote, Ouch. which the Republicans saw, you know, they lost a lot of elections and some of them were close. Um, so the the Libertarian Party basically cut a deal in writing saying that they promised not to have candidates and contested or heated elections against Republicans. So what? the Libertarians signed a deal with the Republicans saying, okay, there's going to be races that are going to be close and huge We will not have any libertarian candidates in those races.
1: I don't know if that's the most libertarian thing I've ever heard, or the least libertarian thing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, so that that was interesting because it's always um, the for Republicans, the libertarians were kind of a you know a thorn in their side. Kind of like on the Democrats, you have the the Democrat socialists or the Green Party. You know, they were always like taking away votes from the Democrats or, you know, sometimes you have somebody not make a primary and then they run under a different party, but still take away votes. But yeah, this is the first time that I've seen it where it's reported and that they signed a deal saying, okay, we're not going to put people up in these races because that'll make you lose.
1: Oh my heck. That's just, that is wildly interesting. Um, okay, so let me just say one. I'm going to say one word about the presidential candidate right now, or he's running, that I'm most fascinated with, um, and I'm not going to go into it, but um, Robert Kennedy Jr.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a...
1: Oh, my heck, I'm that, so fascinated. I, I, I
0: mean, so, like, <sighs> this, this is another one. So everybody in the news... Like you see on the news or social media, I shouldn't say the news that, you know, they're like the Democrats are like, we're not going to have a primary debate. And everybody's like, I can't believe they're not having a primary debate with, uh, Robert Kennedy jr. or Other Democrats running against I'm Like they never have a primary debate. Like that's, it doesn't matter Republican or Democrat. Like there's never been a really a presidential primary debate with an incumbent. Really? Yeah. I, there may have been a few, but if you look back, I, I don't think there has been one in the past, like the, Oh, years.
1: wow. I hadn't thought about that.
0: Yeah. Think about it. Cause it's always the primary debates of the opposing side, right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't like, I don't think at least in the past 30, 40 years, I don't think a sitting oh, president, heck, incumbent president I thought of that. has been in a primary debate. I could be wrong, like check it, but I'm, like I could so here's what phone. was
1: interesting to me I started talking about him and um, I think you and I talked about about Robert Kennedy jr a little bit and um, and then I started talking to other people who I know really watch the you know presidential stuff and nobody else had heard about him so I wanted to just put that bug in everybody's ear you should look it up I mean this is really interesting Um. And I mean, here,
0: here you go. I got it. No incumbent president has participated in a primary debate since the first modern debate was held in 1948.
1: <laughs> okay. So, this is the influence that, um, okay, let me just say this just because, um, a politician says a thing doesn't make it true. So that's why, you know, every, yeah, everybody's like, oh, I can't believe they're not going to have a debate. I've hear, been hearing that over and over again. They, but that's they, not... Yeah, that's,
0: it's, they haven't had one.
1: It's not a thing. Interesting.
0: Since, since whenever I said 19, what was it, 48 or something like that? Interesting. Um, yeah,
1: 1948.
0: Okay. Well, so if, it's it's normal. Like everybody, That's when everybody's <laughs> like, I can't believe they're doing this. They're not going to let... You know, th- these Democrats debate Joe Biden for the primary. They've never done that.
1: But. Well, I wondered, I wondered how that was going to work. Um, anyway, because if you got somebody in a primary, oh yeah, but now it makes sense. That it makes sense that that's not a thing.
0: Yeah, and most incumbents don't engage in primary debates at all.
1: Why would you?
0: Yeah, it's... You
1: don't have to. You don't have to give yourself that kind of um, vulnerability.
0: Now, this isn't the case anymore, but traditionally in the past, you don't really engage your primary opponent. It, It was just a losing fight. Now, that shifted the past few years because we saw multiple people lose to their primary opponent. But it, traditionally in the past, like the campaigns, it's like, no, we're not going to engage with our, our primary opponent because that just gives them more time.
1: That it just gives, gives them, them more time media. and then they beat each other up. Yeah. But the opposite party loves to see those things. Yeah. Maybe that's the whole point is they love to see let's let, you, let your own team trash you.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, we have several things coming up. We have a Action 22 board meeting on the 7th of July. Um, we have, we're going to be having lots of other meetings. We're doing, um, broadband. We have our broadband coalition meetings. Um, we just have a lot of stuff that we're doing, but we want to do a better job of keeping you up to date on all the things that are going on around, um, Southern Colorado, uh, and around the state of Colorado. Um, and I think even for our listeners who are out of state, uh, it's pretty interesting. I was, I was listening to Joe Rogan and somebody was, uh, he had somebody on who was from Colorado and they were talking about different things. They were talking about wolves, um, the whole wolf issue in Colorado. And I was like, wait, I I have something to say about that. But of course, you know, we're, I'm, you know, I'm just a listener for that show. So, um, we, uh, we're going to keep you up to date. We're going to keep working on all of these things. Um, one of the things that we want to do is create that. I was going to ask your help from, uh, on is we want the annual meeting, Action 22's annual meeting in October, to be a little bit different this year, in that we want to have an expo. As I'm sitting on these committees and listening to um, discussions about energy or broadband or fire mitigation or water or all of the things that we listen to all the time, I'm constantly hearing um, of great technologies, innovative developments, things that will really surprise, things that could make a big difference in our communities. And I want all of those things to be shown off so that we can see together how we can um, be more collaborative regionally and how we can leverage um, infrastructure money and all of those st- Great opportunities that are coming up to do something really special um, for our region and for our state. So that's our intent right now. We, um, the board has to approve that we would change it up just a little bit, but I think that the board will agree that that's a thing. And so what we'll need is we'll need, um, our Action 22 members um, and you listeners to give us some ideas on what you would like to see at an expo, some kind of technology. We uh, we heard about Lockheed Martin is doing some really interesting things on fire mitigation, mm-hmm. um, and so we're hoping that they'll be there, um, and all of that. Um, what else, Brian?
0: Uh, action 22 does not support or endorse candidates during an election since we talked about the mayor's race. Right. Um, and the views and opinions expressed by us on making action happen do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Action 22, its board, or its membership.
1: You can become a Action 22 member by emailing us at uh, admin at action22.org um, and find out how you can make your voice stronger um, in partnership with the other members of Action 22. We would also like to do, to start doing a segment on our show where you can ask us anything. So I sent something out yesterday to our membership um, about that, but uh, you can email us with your questions at show at action 22.org. We will talk about anything you ask us to talk about and we'll give you credit for the question.
0: All right. That's about it.
1: That's about it. Chad Vorthman. Um, we know that you're starting your new job. We'll be up there to say, uh, goodbye, Chad. Hi, Taylor. We're really excited for you. Um, and, uh, we might have some, a few surprises for you tomorrow as we come up and, uh, Um, and kick you to the curb that is now going to be Lockheed Martin. Um, So, Chad Worthman, be ready. Um, You never know what prank I'm going to pull on you now. We'll see you guys all next time.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.